Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Man Buns and Jesus, where neither one of us is wearing our, our hair currently in a bun. I'm working Josh on it. Is in the pro- Josh is in the process of putting it up. Uh, I am Pastor Ben Olschlager, pastor here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lake Orion, Michigan. The man on the other half of my screen, whatever direction that may be when this is recorded, is Pastor Josh Laborious of Edgewater Lutheran Church in Eastvale, California. I think I got that right for the like second you time did. ever. You did. Way to go. Cheers to you. Um, and what we're before we get into our topic for today, um, and I told Ben this was coming, but I didn't tell what it was. Um, I had someone call me about our previous episode, which if you're listening to these in order, you know. If you're not, then you don't. Our last episode was on money <laughs> in the church. And we talked a little bit about endowments, and they were at like the, the question, I think, and this is a conversation, so I, I wasn't recording it or anything, but I think the question was along the lines of, so endowments are bad. And I think it, it's worth clarifying. I, I don't think it's fair to say that they are good or they are bad. I think it depends on the church that is receiving them. Because if the church is going to use those to support ministry and like say, okay, that's taking care of expenses. So now we can, we can use the, the giving that we receive to do other ministry. And I think that endowment is a good thing, but if it, it kind of gives a church permission to circle its wagons, not do mission anymore, not go out and do ministry, then, then it's done harm to that church because it's given them an excuse to kind of turn in on themselves. Um, so that's kind of so it's a contextual thing and um yeah i think we might have mentioned that last week but i if i got a question about it it's a worthwhile clarification making so thank you anonymous question asker whose permission i did not ask to include you by name in this podcast so um if if i may jump in on that i think just to clarify what you've said it all depends on how you use that money or how you use those resources. And like in my head, I'm thinking if you're taking the church offerings and pumping that into an endowment and forsaking all else for the sake of building up this literal cash cow uh, to, to like let you limp on into the future as a congregation, that's sinful and poor use of money. Yeah, no. But if you're but a if, billionaire and you want to leave someone an endowment like as is. Yeah. Yeah. If you filthy rich and just want to drop the cash. I mean, you still have to have the conversation because some churches will. Yeah, that's fair. Take that as an excuse to stop doing ministry. That's fair. Um, regardless, on to this episode. No, no, was... we got one more. We got one more thing. Oh, no. Uh, we're taking a week off next week because, you know, post Easter, every pastor's in a coma for at least two to three days. Uh, before God calls us out of the tomb uh, and brings us back to life. Uh, so it's called Second Easter. You can look it up. Uh, <laughs> You're in trouble for that one. That was maybe a little heretical. My DP is um, going to see this somehow, and he's going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> President Meyer, I apologize if that makes it to your desk. Um, anyway, uh, not, not Dale, the... President of the Michigan District. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So we're taking the next week off. And then after that, when we come back, uh, we're going to try and 
more heavily emphasize getting uh, guests on our podcast, uh, whether that be our friends, our coworkers in our circuits and, and around the synod, um, or just, you know, random people we pull off the street because we like their story. Um, and we want to get to see if things. Joe Rogan would come on and talk with us. Oh, gosh. I don't um, think he would, but that I bet would ha- be a fun conversation. Yeah. Lord have mercy if that happens. Um, what? I said, Lord have mercy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's that's what's coming up on season. We're officially making that season two because we like setting arbitrary season limits and you can't tell us what to do. Um, so Josh, if you're we, interested in, and, and like, we're literally talking to anyone who's listening to this, if you're interested in being on our show, on, on the show as a, as a guest, just reach out to one of us. We have a Facebook page now that you can message and just let us know if that you'd like to be a guest and what you want to talk about. And I, no I, man buns required. No man buns required. Yeah, you can be bald as as a bowling <laughs> ball, and you're still welcome on this show. Um, so, Follically challenged is how they prefer to be called, Josh. Like, if you're a professor and you want to talk <laughs> about the college education scene, sure. If you work in a McDonald's, you're a teenager, you work in a McDonald's, and you want to talk about being a McSlave, go for it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's talk about the Mac Shack, right? Um and also, you can reach out to us if you if you have something you want to hear us talk about. Um, not that we have any shortage of things we want to talk about. We have a list of like 30 topics that we've thought of and decided maybe maybe later. So speaking of a topic that we should have maybe saved for later. <laughs> kicked down the road a couple times. Finally, today's episode, episode, we've been on episode 23B. Now we're on episode 24. Um, right just now you're, you're witnessing the transformation uh we're going to talk about sexual ethics which is just don't listen to this one with your parents i guess that, that well yeah no that could pretty Actually, much cross the board be awkward maybe just do listen to this with your parents because like we need to learn how to have conversations about sex and oh, if that's, you can't that's wholesome like, the yeah like this might be a starting place where you have to awkwardly laugh at us trying to talk about sex in a way that's uh not incredibly uncomfortable um also because we're shameless yeah we are shameless and uh josh we did not clarify this ahead of time but i think we should be anatomically correct uh anytime that we reference genitalia uh because i think calling a penis a hoo-ha or or no that's vagina I was about to say, I ain't never heard of, <laughs> never mind. All right, penis is a ding-dong and a vagina is a, like, it, 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 yeah, it's pointless and worthless in my opinion, and it just creates more barriers about having real healthy conversations around sex and sexual ethics, so, sure. cool, penis and vagina it is. <laughs> Do we, I think we have to check this on YouTube, not kid-friendly. <laughs> um Yeah maybe like age 10 plus so um i think where where i want to start is is i think how people react and, and 
because because when it comes to sexual ethics right i am a firm believer in general um preach to the people sitting in front of you mm-hmm. and and i mean that literally in that if you are if you are preaching to a congregation of of 30 30 people and they're all over the age of 60 you probably don't need to be telling them how bad abortion is none of them are going to be facing that decision uh because they're all over 60 right that's not um that's not going to biologically be a reality for them so i i think one of the one of the when when it comes to mind for me doubting the power of god josh are you doubting the power of god are you saying that none of them can be the modern day sarah you know what i'm not (laughs) doubting anything i'm just saying that can then that can be an individual conversation benjamin um so all of that to say i don't frequently think about like my concern is i'm trying to figure out how i want to say this well my concern is actually believe it or not less with sexual ethics and more with how we react to them Mm -hmm. right because i think the church first of all has has done a really bad job in picking just a few sexual ethics that it wants to uphold and then just trashing them which has alienated a lot of people from the church Mm -hmm. right because you'll hear sermons or you'll hear pastors or or christian leaders go on absolute tears about um the lgbtq community and they won't they they won't say a thing when in regards to divorce or in regards to people sleeping around outside of marriage or people sleeping around before they're married right um it's like we we picked i shouldn't say we because i don't include myself in this but it's like the church picked a few and said we're just going to go after this um and also i think we I think you're kind of right in what you were saying. I think we're we're afraid to talk about it, and that's gotten us in a lot of trouble. Um, because I, I think part of that is because we're afraid to talk about it, we we lie about it so we don't have to have a deeper conversation. And I mean this. I'm going to use a different example. I'm going to use a drugs example, right? Um, when when you're teaching kids about drugs. The big thing is, oh, if you try any drug, you're going to get super addicted and then you're going to end up homeless without teeth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's not the case, right? I'm not an advocate for drugs, right? I I don't even like to take ibuprofen when I can avoid it um, because I don't want to develop a dependence. But the reality is if you try weed once, you are not instantly going to be addicted. So you're going to have one adventurous kid who's a little bit rebellious, who you tell all that to, he's like, oh, that's not real. He smokes weed once. He's like, oh, I'm not addicted. And he is, and then that person assumes you're lying about everything else. And he goes and tries something like heroin, which is instantly addictive, right? You try heroin once, your brain chemistry is altered, and you are addicted. Um, and I think we've done the same thing with sex. We, we were unwilling to talk about it. We said, if you ever have sex, you're going to... T- 
turn into a monster and, and have all these diseases and whatever. So all it really takes is one person having sex once, nothing going wrong for them to say, well, you were lying about that. And, and I think a big part of that comes from the fact that we, we needed a logical reason. Like we, we needed a, a, like a earthly reason to not to abstain before marriage, I think is the most fundamental example. So he said, the chance of pregnancy, the chance of disease, blah, 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 blah. Instead of being willing to just say, God told us that our relationships are better off if you wait to have sex until you're married. Mm-hmm. We, we weren't satisfied with just saying that. And, and I think because we weren't upfront with that, we've gotten ourselves into a lot more problems than we avoided. That was kind of rambly. Sorry, jump on any part of that you want, but that was just <laughs> all over the place. I think... To sum all of, or not all of, but like 80% of that up, it's almost as if, if you're, you know, straight, uh, otherwise theologically are willing to fall in line and any problem or like any rebellion that you do against church teaching, you keep quiet. Like the church is more than willing to just sweep your sin under the rug. Um, yeah, I, I see you shaking your head and, and kind of like a, yeah, that seems about right um, kind of way. And it's unfortunate. It really is. Um, I, okay, I want to jump in quick because I want to be really go for it to everybody listening or watching this. I am not advocating for treating like sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage as harshly as some Christians currently treat uh, homosexuality or, or um, sins like that. I am advocating for treating those other sins with the grace and forgiveness we're called to. Mm-hmm. So like if we're, we're talking about, you know, this is how harsh we can treat things. This is how easily we can treat things. Currently, it's like um, homosexuality and, and the LGBTQ situations over on this extreme. Um, which it occurs to me that most of you listen to this, so you're not seeing my hand motions. But on the far side, you have that. And on the other side, you have, we're not really going to call it a sin, even though it is mm-hmm. with with sleeping around before you're married, stuff like that. Um, what I'm advocating for is maybe let's treat that one a little more harshly and be willing to actually say this is a sin and you shouldn't be doing this. But treat the other one a little less harshly and saying, like, there is grace and love for you, even though you're struggling with this. Um, because that's, I think, where we're called to. Sorry, continue. I was. No, I, I think that's fair. And I think, uh, like, you and I did something that was almost akin to planning before this or particular episode of this podcast. Don't we tell them that. About... Now there are going to be high expectations for something. It, it was less than five minutes, so don't raise your bar too much. Um, <laughs> but I think. We, we talked about how there's like these really polar reactions to sin, right? And, and to sexual sins. Um, and on the one hand, you've got this super pharisaic or like super law oriented. Um, you're almost like you're damned if you do this kind of sin uh, kind of approach, especially to uh, issues around um, the LGBTQ movement and that kind of thing. Um, and then on the opposite side of things, you've got, uh, almost like either a a sweep it off or like almost encouraging sin on the, like, 
Um, Can I tell a story about that? Uh, yeah. Make sure you change all the names. <laughs> I don't even remember the names. So okay. this ahead. is from when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, what we did, um, we had youth nights two months, two months out of the, out of the two weeks out of the month. Um, and how youth nights went is we did a stupid game. It was called a stupid game. Like it was intentionally like branded as such. We didn't play ultimate Frisbee. We played ultimate rubber chicken. Great game, by the way. Um, and then we would do probably a, my dad, who was the, the DCE, he was the youth guy. He would do probably a 15 minute introduction to the lesson. So he would, um, explain some things. He talked about some things and then we would divide up into small groups. Um, and he had adult leader volunteers who would lead these Bible study discussions and, and they were really good. But I remember at one point we were talking about something like this at youth group, which first of all, awesome that we were having this conversation, right? That my, that my dad was having us walk through this, but I had a gentleman, um, who was, who was volunteering, but he said something along because he had a son and a daughter in the high school. He said, um, it was really hard for him to like try and hold back and shield his daughter while like pushing forward and encouraging his son. And that stuck with me because I'm sit I, at the time and I'm still sitting here thinking, no, you should be, you should be teaching them both. Like the, the, the standard is the same for both. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if anything, it, it's more strict for him because he should not only abstain, but he should defend, right? And we talked about that a little bit in our in our podcast on masculinity. So you're 100% right that there's almost an encouragement in this direction. Mm -hmm. And all of that is to say, like, we take these, these two kind of differing ways of, of operating and it's basically applied to are you a part of the regular like conservative church or are you not and um within the lcms i think it's pretty safe to say that we're theologically very conservative um talking theologically here not politically just so that anybody who's listening there is to a distinction there is a Talk massive about that some other time yes <laughs> we'll we'll tell you when you're older yeah <laughs> not in a condescending um, way just in a literally you'll be older when that podcast comes out yes uh yeah so um the like in a, a theologically conservative tradition um we are more than happy to like i want to use the phrase choke slam i don't know why wrestling moves are in my head but like yeah uh phrasing just really really destroy the lives of people who find themselves in um sexual sin that isn't straight basically um or isn't life affirming um and then on the flip side of that we're really happy to sweep it under the rug if it's somebody we like or like yeah, no, we're really happy to sweep it under the rug for somebody we like, because like it's not well, just. I would even say it, maybe even a little more fundamentally than that. If it's a sin we can identify with, mm. yeah, right, because because the reality is that uh, a lot of straight people never never struggle with 
the 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 desire or the temptation of homosexuality mm-hmm. right which i think is part of it like you have no like if someone has the temptation to steal i on some level can identify that with that like right like if i see a, a pallet of money somewhere i'm thinking man my life would be a little easier if i had a pallet of money in my living room mm-hmm. yeah that's fair uh just wanted to offer the a couple of anecdotes here. One, I think on the sweeping it under the rug side, like most often we think about that being applied to like uh, a straight couple cohabitating before marriage. Um, like that's the, the place I think the church most frequently sweeps things under the rug and they're, they just ignore it completely. Uh, I think there's some <clears throat> really gracious ways to address that situation. Um, but it's probably for either later in this episode or another episode completely but also like there's like a sense of tit for tat that sometimes comes out uh when people are cheating on one another and can become to lead some can lead to some really unhealthy situations um in terms of way that ways that people are responding to to uh unfaithfulness and marriage and, and all sorts of stuff like that that gets swept under the rug if yeah if, if if your spouse cheats on you the best response is not to cheat on them yeah right it, the, yeah that's not the best response the best response probably yeah. is to seek marital counseling yeah and that's not even just like um physical cheating like if they're emotionally cheating on you or uh psychologically cheating on you or any of these other like ways that we kind of define um marital abuse or neglect in the church um that's still not grounds for going out and finding yourself a new partner while you're still in a marriage yep um the other thing that i kind of want to note here that i think is on some level fascinating and on some level horrifying um and maybe speaks to this question a little bit again um there's a statistic that was shared with me, I think in high school, that uh, there was a hotel chain, I can't remember exactly where, uh, somewhere in the South that was hosting a pastor's conference. Um, and their highest uh, traffic for their pay-per-view porn channel that they uh, provided through their TV subscription was over the weekend of that conference um higher than any other weekend of the year porn is a a subject we willingly often um detrimentally sweep under the rug because it's quiet uh we think of it sometimes as a victimless crime it certainly isn't um but where's the like there is some outrage about porn in the industry and the impacts that it has on guys, the, the fact or the sinfulness of it, but it's nowhere near the volume of people who feel so broken that they question how sexuality is. Um, yeah, just, I find that heartbreaking and, and like, kind of a clear sign of of how broken our conversations and, and ethics around sex are.
Yeah. So, and, and there's, there's some things that I want to, I think it might be good to like, kind of go through the list on what are, what are sexual sins, right? Um, and I, I want to just throw out the, cause I think all of them have, have profoundly negative impacts. Um, none of them are quote unquote victimless crimes, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have the, the, the porn epidemic, I guess. Um, I, I read a book a while back on kind of the science behind it. And it's, it's, you probably, it should be classified as an addiction because of the way it manipulates the dopamine in your brain. And it, the, the, it's, it's a ridiculous, it's like 70% of adult men in America regularly engage with porn. And it's like 40% of women, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth noting that a lot of Christian counselors do consider it an addiction. Um, and it's, it's gaining steam in the secular world as well. Um, though they will often categorize it with something like uh, weed or alcohol. Um, as like a where, quote unquote acceptable. Uh, yeah. So, but like, the yeah, or something effects. with addictive tendencies, but not necessarily right. universally addictive. Um, yeah. Which I guess is fair because it by it's like, it's not, it's not altering your body in a way that you can't survive without it, I guess. Any, anyway, so like the negative effect, it, it, it has a tendency, and this book goes pretty deep into it. Um, it has a tendency to like set your standards to the supernatural so that the, the actual people in your life are just, they're never good enough. Um, if you're, if you're far enough in, it can actually like, it can give you erectile dysfunction, like regularly engaging with porn, like, which is crazy. Um, and honestly, I think if more guys knew that you, you might have less of a problem with porn. Um, <laughs> but so yeah. that's, that's one, th- that's a thing that like, if you're hearing this and you've never heard that before, yes, porn is, is a sinful thing we should not be engaging with. Um, the, the next thing that I think I want to step to is cohabitating like living with sleeping with people before you're married. That is a sin. And a lot of people will say, well, living together or or sleeping together, we're doing like a test run to make sure this this relationship is viable. And it's like, okay, first of all, if your entire relationship depends on how well sleeping together goes, that's not a healthy relationship, right? because your relationship should not revolve around sex. That is not healthy. Um, but more and more statistics are coming out and I've been seeing, you, you saw them a lot from like Christian sources um, for years, for years you saw them from Christian sources, but to be fair, you have to kind of question, you know, is there bias in these studies? Because there might well be. But increasingly I've been seeing them from secular sources where it's coming out and it's reporting that like, the statistics of divorce and reported marital unhappiness and everything in cohabitating relationships is astronomically, statistically significantly higher than those who don't live together, who don't sleep together before. Their their marriage lasts longer. 
Um, they're generally happier with their relationship. Um, yeah. As and I see that, and I'm I'm fascinated by it, but I'm also like, well, that's, I mean, there, God designed it that way, fellas and and ladies. There's kind of a clear path here, like. Yes, sex is fun, but your relationship should not be built on how fun your sex is. Right. And like if <laughs> in a lot of relationships where I'm not going to say all, because certainly it's not in a lot of relationships where there are people who are sleeping together before marriage, marriage or they are cohabitating and sleeping together before marriage, like sex then becomes a pillar of that relationship, whether it's the whole foundation or just part of it doesn't necessarily matter but like it's being built in part on that and if that falls apart like when you get older you can't have as much sex though the villages in florida would argue with me on that point um let's not go there <laughs> look it up if you need to um anyway uh where was i going with this oh yeah uh if you that if part of your relationship if that pillar disappears for whatever reason, it can really crumble a relationship. And so like starting with that, psychologically, like worldly wise, maybe not a great idea. Yeah, and, and a tangent to this, um, you being horny is not a good reason to get married. <laughs> okay, Actually, so- I would disagree with that statement. Huh? <laughs> Paul would disagree with that statement. The no, no. Purpose, what the, the entire purpose of his conversation? I'm I'm aware. Point, no. So don't. what I'm saying, <laughs> if you're in a relationship with someone, and you just you can't, you really want to sleep with them, and that's the only reason you are marrying that person. That's probably not a great reason to choose someone to be married to for the rest that's, of That's that's fair. Right. Okay, Paul is fair. talking about yes, it's better better to be married than single, you know, if if you want to have sex. Yes. But like I know I know at least a few people who like they met each other, they were married 4 months later because they weren't going to have sex before they were married, so they got married so they could have sex. And it's like, um you're not doing it in the same way, but you're still making sex a pillar of your relationship and that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so continuing on this list of, of sexual sins. That being said, though, I do think that there's something to like, if you go into a relationship, this is maybe defending people who get married very quickly. My grandparents got engaged after like two months i think oh and, and i'm not by any means like sometimes like, you just my my aunt and my uncle yeah. are they i think they got engaged dated engaged married within like six months yeah it, it does happen happily married for like 30 years now and i think the exception there is usually like people go in with the desire to find a spouse who has a solid set of sexual ethics and they find it along with the ethics of like just being a solid human being which being a christian should lead you to be you know not a jerk hashtag episode one um and like if you go into that like go into dating that way and you find someone right off the bat i mean josh you were dating chris for what six eight months before you two got engaged 
yeah. maybe a little longer than that. Yeah. Like, well, and, yeah. and there, there is a reality and this is something my dad always taught me. This might be a little bit of a tangent, but who cares? You can't tell us what to do. My dad always told me if you're dating Preach. someone, there are two ends to this relationship. You break up with them or you marry them. So if you're going into dating with that attitude, like you get pretty good at weeding people out. My dad got some mm -hmm. flack apparently when he was in college. I obviously wasn't around to verify this story because he would go on a ton of dates, like one date with, with, with a lady and then he'd never see her again. And people yeah. are like, oh, you're, you're, and he's like, no, I could tell after one date that there's no way I was marrying this chick. Okay. So if, if you have that end in mind, I, you're the, the time scale is going to be shorter. I, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, don't say I'm going to ignore all of these other things because I want to have sex. Yeah. I, so circling back to your, your list of like sexual sin, I think we need to crash course this because we actually need to like talk sexual ethics at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, so you want me to just run through the rest that I can think of? Yes, go for it, and I'll add adultery. Don't sleep with someone you're not married to. Divorce, kind of the same category. Inappropriate, um, except in cases where where there's been marital infidelity. We'll talk about abuse that abuse or neglect. Yeah. Um, homosexuality is a sin. We love you. There's forgiveness for you, but it's a sin. Um, and I, th I think that, well, and, and then all the ones that I think we can all agree are like inappropriate, like having sex with animals, inappropriate, you need a counselor, um, pedophilia, <laughs> yeah. um, any, any sort of those, like, I don't know, people who have sex with trees or something, I don't know. If you're having sex with anything other than someone of the opposite sex that you are married to, it is wrong. Let's, there's your blanket statement. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> no problem. Uh, the, Back to you, the, Ben. The, the big ones that I think you maybe left out uh, are big, no, big one. Yeah. No, big ones. Because, yeah. Uh, masturbation. Uh, oh, I thought that was kind of caught up with porn, but I get, yeah, yeah. It's okay. a separate thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Let's leave that in the, in the, the, the trash can for now. Um, it was a thought that I'm crumpling up like a piece of paper and then throwing in my mental trash bin. Um, and then the other one that I was thinking of was like, uh, open marriages, um, just because you are happily married and you don't consider it cheating doesn't mean it's not cheating. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our hopefully relatively exhaustive list, but certainly not completely exhaustive because we're not experts on sexual, uh, sins, but, um, which is, is probably a good thing. Yes. Hopefully. Um, but talking sexual ethics, then Josh okay first talking sexual ethics and then also our response to people who don't share our sexual ethics um i think the the most straightforward way that we can talk about having good sexual ethics is kind of the opposite of what you said for our disclaimer of what are these big sexual sins is like god designed sex to be this gift given to 
a man and a woman in a married relationship. And that is the confines for which we are to enjoy in which we are to enjoy sex. Um, if it's something outside of that, like we go to God, we repent and we, we try and do better. Right. Um, Yeah, and and here's, I think part of the part of the difficulty with these is is a lot of sexual sins have a lot caught up with them. Mm -hmm. So say you're you're sleeping with someone before you're married and you decide to live together, like it's very hard for you to remove yourself from that sin, right? Like because you've you've signed a lease, presumably you are now caught in this lease. If you live in this area. Paying two rents is a lot more expensive than paying one, right? Um, for like full disclaimer for everybody who's listening, I pay like twenty nine hundred dollars a month in rent. If I saw if if Chris and I, which obviously this isn't an issue because we're married, but if we were suddenly if we were had been cohabitating, we suddenly decided we were not going to. That means someone's got to post twenty nine hundred dollars a extra a month for rent. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so like, I, I understand there's that reality. Um, and I think this is a really appropriate place for the church to step in as the church. So like, if someone comes to me and they're, you know, they're living with their girlfriend or their boyfriend and they're saying, and they say, we want to, we want to change this, right? We want to do what we should be doing then you know what I'm I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to some of the people in my congregation who I know are are kind, who I know have extra rooms in their houses, maybe they're empty nesters now. I'm going to say, "Hey, can you can you host one of these two um until you know until they get married, until their their housing situations figured out like can you can you provide that?" Um, and I, I know without a doubt that I have probably three or four families in my congregation who, who would be willing to do that, right? So I think as a church, we have to recognize that repentance from this sin is, is more difficult than some other sins, right? Because so much else is caught up with it. Um, take another, say, say someone uh, was pregnant out of, and they weren't married yet, Um and obviously one we want to tell them you know don't get an abortion we we do believe that is wrong um but we you can't just leave them hanging after that right they have a lot to figure out um so that's another situation you step in your congregation and and you discreetly ask people to hey can can we support this person you know mm-hmm. especially in an instance maybe their family kicked them out you say well we can find you some place to stay we, we mm-hmm. can help you with this, with your, your kid. We, we can be the family of Christ around you. Um, so I think when we talk about sexual sins and the church's response, it's, it has to be one where we acknowledge the reality of these sins. But we're also there to support people as they strive for repentance, right? We mm-hmm. don't just say, yeah, it's wrong. Go figure it out. We say, yeah, it's wrong. Let, let us help you. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like if an alcoholic were to come to me and say, I, I, I want to stop this, I wouldn't say, okay, you're forgiven, now go and stop. I'd say, let me connect you with a, a, a counselor. Let me connect mm-hmm. you with an AA group. Um, let, me, let me get you some help. In the same way, if someone's coming to you and they're struggling with sexual sin, whether you're a pastor or not, you say, well, let's give you some help with this. Let's give you some support with this. So that's what I think the church should be responding with. Yeah, it, there's there's like a level of hospitality that the early church very much lived up to that we've kind of forgotten how to do, right? Like um, we're more than happy to host a touring choir or something for like a night. Some churches are at least, but like, that's kind of the extent to which we open our, our doors. Right. And it's, it's hard to do that with someone that, you know, is struggling with something sinful, but like, we're called to do that. We're called to offer our hospitality to strangers, sojourners, uh, the people in our community who are in need. And especially those people that we know are trying to uh, repent and rehabilitate themselves from sin or addiction or addiction to sin. Um, I think that's kind of the hardest thing. Like that's the hardest mental shift for us as the church to do is, is to not just like, we, we use the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, right? but it's way easier to just hate this in. Well, and and I think it's because you have people, you have churches on the other extreme, right? Who will say, Oh, we, we love you. We don't, we don't care. Mm -hmm. And like I, the difficulty I think is keeping the balance, which is where we should be of, of being resolute in saying these things are wrong, but being equally resolute and we love you. There is grace for you. Help us to like, let us support you in your battle with sin. Yeah. I yeah, I'm with you there. Uh yeah, hold the tension. Hold the tension uh, as the good Dr. Beerman would say. Or uh uh was it stay between the um uh, what was Mars's line? Uh stay between the gutters. Maybe um, or something like he was he was referencing like the collection uh drainage ditches oh yeah that was what it was It was like stay between the ditches think of like a, a country road with really steep drainage ditches on each side and you're trying to run drive down the road because if you drive off the road it really ain't gonna be pretty um or i have this picture in my head this is not going to be applicable to like anyone else but me um in no, west I'm glad virginia you're sharing it then. Yeah, yeah yeah in west virginia um some of the like little available flatland to build on is places where they've strip mined the tops off of mountains um and so like you have these like nice level open places on the tops of mountains and then just sheer cliffs on the sides and that is like where they build a lot of their highways because there's room to do it up there and so you'll be driving along and there's great views and you hit the rumble strip and go oh yeah there's six feet between me and death um like that's that's 
oftentimes what we're doing as the church in trying to respond to these sins is like on one side we need to just love the ever-living daylights out of all of these people that are struggling with sin and especially sexual sins which is hard for the church to do right now and on the other side we need to be upholding the law of god and making sure people know hey we do have a sexual ethic it's consistent it is loving it may not feel like it all the time but it is loving and we want you to do it because we think that this is in your best interest because of the way that god has created you yeah. and and, like, and for all of our listeners who to are walk that uh, narrow line between listening not watching on youtube um I, I have to give him credit. Ben was holding the steering wheel motion the entire time he was explaining and he was correcting to the right or the left with his imaginary steering wheel the entire time. So claps for Ben. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm out of I'm out of analogies and I'm getting hungry. Are we uh yeah, is I there think, anything else uh, you wanna throw out there before we wrap this puppy up? Um, no, I think, I think we've, I think we've covered what we need to cover. There might be a part two to this episode at some point. If you have questions, yeah. if you have comments, reach out to us. Um, yeah. What's, what are our takeaways for today? What are our takeaways for today? Um, one for me, I think the big one for me is be consistent. Um, sin is sin. And we need to be treating it with the same seriousness, regardless of whether it's something that our community actively struggles with or not. Um, and we need to know how to respond to people with both grace and law in the midst of that sin and do it in such a way that is God pleasing. Um, and if you're not sure how to do that in the face of a particular sin, um, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> Oh, that's helpful. Um, <laughs> Go to scripture, uh, ask your pastor, like consult the resources that are available to you. Uh, and don't be afraid to ask for help, but figure it out. Figure it out. Um, you covered a lot there in your quote unquote one takeaway. <laughs> so to make up for that, I'm going to give you a really simple one. If you're not married to them and they're not the opposite sex as you, don't sleep with them. Done. Thanks, Josh. No problem. I just wanted to make sure we were crystal clear on that. Um, I just realized that after making that like whole statement about being anatomically correct, we never said penis or vagina. No, again, we didn't so. need that at all. When, when no, you were we explaining that at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I was like I don't know that we're going to need that, but okay. Okay. Oh, well, well, I've now said penis and vagina again. So my quota is, is, is hit. Uh. <laughs> this is, this is, I feel like this is in the same category as when you said, don't you compared the gospel to, to like 20 bucks wrapped in a bag of cat feces. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was also, it was either episode one or two, so. That was, I think that was episode one. I think that was part of Don't Be a Jerk. Yeah. Uh, no, it might have been episode two. I don't remember. You, you I can think, listen no, to I it think or it was not. Episode we, one. Can't, we can't anyway, tell you what to do. Uh, so before we get to our prayer, some shameless plugs for all you guys. Um, 
because like we're shameless we we covered this already um first we do now have a facebook page so if if you're not like directly connected to either of us that's a way you can you can message us you can follow us that's that's we we post links to our episodes um so if you if you have a topic you want us to cover if you want to be on the podcast if you want us to try and get someone on the podcast um reach out to us let us know um we we'd love we'd love the suggestions um and also just i don't think we reminded you of this in a while but we are on most all the plat- podcasting platforms spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts uh iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Um, you can talk to us on your Alexa. Um, we're on YouTube, we're on Podbean. So like whatever is the easiest way to listen, uh, give us a follow on that so that you, you get notifications for new episodes. Um, something else that might be coming out with the next season that I haven't told Ben about. So here it comes. We might, we might do like little short form special content, like five minute rants that either of us have and we'll just post it on there on a random day so you got to follow us on these platforms so that when we post those fun little tidbits you get a notification and you can listen to uh to whatever nonsense we're putting out um i think that's all the shameless plugs i have oh go to church uh go to church i I was gonna say go to church on easter but this isn't gonna come out till two days after easter so it's a little late for that one but uh (laughs) Enjoy prayer, the week of, uh, what uh, I was going to say, enjoy the week off of not hearing our voices. Oh, yeah. Uh, May your IQ points recover a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, prayer, prayer thoughts. Uh, I think the big one for me is just like um, for discernment on how to respond to uh, issues of sexual sin that appear in our in our communities and our congregations. Um, like. I think a lot of this, a lot of the issues that surround sexual sin and sexual ethics happen because we're just hasty about the way we respond. Um, so pray that God gives you the patience and discernment to respond in a way that is uh, appropriate to the, the situations that you face. Um, and, and another appropriate prayer is is one of confession and asking mm-hmm. for forgiveness if if you fall into any of these categories. Right there is grace for you, um, so so pray for that because Christ promises you that forgiveness. So, um, and and I think pray for the church at large that we would do better than we have been corporately at at handling sexual sin. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, I think that's it. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.